from the Library of Congress in Washington, D.C. Welcome to America Works, excerpts from interviews with contemporary workers throughout the United States, collected by the library's American Folklife Center as part of its occupational folklife project. This America Works project features shipyard owner Richard Bloodworth, a Bloodworth Marine in Houston, Texas. He was one of more than 50 ship channel workers interviewed by folklorist Pat Jasper and her colleagues at the Houston Arts Alliance for the library-sponsored oral history project, working the port of Houston. My father grew up in the Galveston-Houston area. He and his brother built a boat from a landing craft that they purchased with their savings and built it in my grandmother's yard here in Houston, launched it into the Houston Ship Channel, and eventually you know, started their own business from that single boat. They developed a connection system for tugs and barges that uh, we're still building today. And it's one of the three or four connecting systems for ocean tug barge units in the world today, still. They were both high school students, no college. Everything they did, they learned on their own. All I can say is they were self-taught, entrepreneurial, and had creative minds actually started riding the boats, working on them at about 14. I grew up in an era when you were able to tag along just about anywhere. Every time they had boats out of the water, getting work done on them, I was there sometimes for days at a time. During summers, I worked for the business, pipe fitting, welding, deck handing, working in the engine room, any number of jobs. So, you know, you were a 14-year-old kid on a boat with probably not some of the most savory characters in the world. I think the marine industry has always drawn a lot of, um, I'm going to, some people would call them less than desirables. They lived hard, they drank hard, they worked hard, and they played hard. And as a 14-year-old, what kind of work were you assigned to do, generally speaking? Same thing everybody else was. You picked up a hammer or a saw and you cut or welded or turned a wrench or carried stuff. It was just whatever was needed. And were you given any kind of special status as, you know, one of the owner's sons? Or? No, I was, but basically, I'll tell you a story. The first summer I went to work on a boat, I went down to Sweeney, Texas. I was up in the office on top of the hill getting ready to go down to the boat. The captain of the boat was talking to somebody on the phone. I didn't know who. He handed the phone over to me and walked out, and it was my father still talking. And he was still telling the captain that he, by God, better not hear of any favoritism, that he better make sure I work my butt off, or he was fired. <laughs> so, no, I wasn't given any special treatment. That's the way he operated. Tell me about how this company came about and the range of stuff it does. My uncle got into financial trouble, had to declare bankruptcy, company was dismantled. I went to work for a, another marine transportation company. I had a chance to buy some assets, this location for one, so I basically started my own shipyard repair business, Bloodworth Marine. We started out 
with just a couple of people doing odd jobs. Most of the people that I work with right now worked for other shipyards back when I used to work for my father. I've known them for 20 or 30 years. You know, one of the things that's really unusual about the marine industry is how small the world is that you deal with and how many people you keep running into in different walks of the same industry over the decades. I would say that, you know, without those people, I don't have a business. We've got five locations. We've got two dry docks, a graving dock, and a couple of topside repair spots. Besides the fixed sites that we have, each site has its own set of mobile crews that can be dispatched to do jobs other than at our locations. It's allowed us to compete in a way that a lot of other people don't and we've never dropped that niche. I can tell two interesting stories. One of them was 2009. We'd gone three months without work. Hurricane Ike had destroyed all of our facilities. We got an opportunity to talk to some people on a container ship, so that involved basically moving our entire workforce to Port Arthur, set up a catering service, worked two shifts around the clock for about four weeks, and did about a million dollar job and pretty much got ourselves back on our feet. This is a very competitive business, it's a very low low margin business. Most of the shipyards are still friendly competitors. I think we all have the same customers. We know we're not going to ever get all the work and while we may not be happy to share it, we're realistic about the need to share the business because everybody wants some competition to keep them honest. Is there such a thing in this day and age as, say, a master shipbuilder? No. Why not? You have marine engineers and naval architects. So I would say those are the people that have taken the place of what you might call master builders. You know, for the most part, most of our people are self-taught. Most of our people do not have college educations, but are extremely good at what they do. And they've learned by doing and learned by making mistakes. You find very few young people that are willing to stay in this business, hot, dirty, nasty work, long enough to learn it. Richard, tell me why Houston is so much better than the rest of the country. Well, it's interesting question because we were just talking at lunch about that today. You know, is it the port? Is it the oil industry? Is it the medical center? You know, exactly what is it? And I mean, I think it's all of those things. Plus, I think a huge part of it is you do find people here that are willing to work and go beyond and do things that they can't do other places. We have no zoning in this city. I mean, you stop and compare what this city looks like to most cities, I and mean, this place is a mess, but it's allowed a lot of people to do a lot of things they couldn't do other places. I mean, I think it's still a wide open, wild west kind of a town in a lot of ways. And I, and I do think it draws a special group of people that come here to, to stay. Well, this is a biz that you truly know, too, it seems like. Oh, yeah. I grew up around it. I, I always said I tried to escape several times, and it kept pulling me back. Are you happy? 
Oh, I love it. I mean, it fascinated me when I was growing up. I had a great time hanging around the shipyards and being on the boats, the big equipment. I mean, it's big toys, let's face it. Okay, it's been going to sea and you've got all these pirates that work for you. And I did try and get out of it, but I kept getting drawn back in. And so I decided to stick with it. And I mean, people that get in it don't usually get out of it. So, yeah, this is my neighborhood. I didn't fall very far from the tree. You've been listening to shipyard owner Richard Bloodworth of Bloodworth Marine in Houston, Texas. He was interviewed for the Library of Congress's Occupational Folklife Project by folklorist Pat Jasper of the Houston Arts Alliance. To hear the complete interview with Mr. Bloodworth, as well as interviews with more than 50 other Port of Houston workers, including pilots, longshoremen, tugboat operators, port engineers, union organizers, men and women working other port-related occupations in Houston, please visit us online at www.loc.gov forward slash folklife. On behalf of the American Folklife Center, this is folklorist Nancy Gross. Thank you for listening to America Works. This has been a presentation of the Library of Congress. Visit us at loc.gov.